This book will teach you how to talk people out of their faith. You'll learn how to engage the faithful in conversations that help them value reason and rationality. Cast doubt on their beliefs. And mistrust their faith. I call this activist approach to helping people overcome their faith street epistemology. The goal of this book is to create a generation of street epistemologists, people equipped with an array of dialectical and clinical tools who actively go into the streets, the prisons, the bars, the churches, the schools, and the community into any and every place the faith will reside and help them abandon their faith and a reason. This is Infants on Thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and a few weeks ago, a listener very much like you sent us the following email. Hey, infants. As I listen to recent episodes of your podcast, I get the impression that many of you have become relativists. This type of thinking seems, at least to me, to be voiced often lately, though I may just be reaching because this has been a topic often on my mind in the recent weeks. I've read A Manual for Creating Atheists by Peter Bogosian, in which he rips apart relativism and goes through how to teach people that relativism is not a reliable way of processing the world. I'm currently reading The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, which so far feels like he believes relativism is a great mindset, though I haven't finished the book yet. I know Glenn loves this book, and he probably has good insight to this. I think a podcast on relativism would be a fascinating discussion. Let me know if you already released an episode on this and I just missed the boat. I would love to listen. Thanks, Ben. Now, it's going to be a few weeks before we get to the cultural relativism part of this discussion, but today is the first episode in a multi-part deep-dive book review of Peter Borgosian's A Manual for Creating Atheists. Now, to kick us off, I'm joined by Tom, Heather, recent listener essay winner Delaney Darko, and eventually Randy joins us as well. Now, you may hear a few other voices on here from time to time. Those were some of our Patreon supporters who sat in to watch us record this live. So anyway, that's today's episode. Let's jump right in. So let's just start talking and Randy can jump in when he's jumping in. Um, So I'm I'm curious, uh, just, just the idea of having a manual to create atheists and and we'll talk about this when we get the the clips but just in in general what do you guys think about that idea of of having this uh a mission in life to try to deconvert believers and create atheists i'm so over missionary work that's what i thought about it like the stakes are just so much lower when you don't think eternal salvation is on the line it just doesn't matter that 
much to me what other people believe yeah. in the way that it did when I thought that they were going to be damned if they didn't believe what I do. And, I, and I've read these books that he keeps referencing, and I, I do understand that a lot of people think religion is extraordinarily dangerous and that we'd all be better off without it. But man, it's hard to motivate yourself when, when, uh, when the stakes seem so low at the individual level. Yeah, it's just like a load off not to worry about trying to talk people into changing their worldview. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of nice not to be evangelizing, whether it's, you know, for atheism or church stuff. So do, do you consider yourself an evangelist for anything as a force for good? You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram under Delaney Darko, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y-D-A-R-C-O. Thank you for listening. I am a force for good. I am Delaney Darko. Do, do you consider yourself an evangelist for anything as a force for good? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because I like the way you I like the way you approached atheism in your in your essay in your listener essay. Yeah, and the problem for me, the problem is um, the more like into this post Mormon world I am, the more angsty about it I get, and mm-hmm. so I've had to kind of take a step back again, which is which has been good, but um. The less I cared, the happier I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is causing the angst or pushing those buttons? I guess. Oh, you know, just like all the hubbub that happens in Salt Lake and from the church, and like dealing with members day to day, it's not that big of a deal. But um, I've taken a break from Reddit. I don't know. It's just a lot of drama that starts to be, starts to get to you. I think after a while, Mm -hmm. I think at a certain point we all get to that kind of like, not my circus, not my monkeys. And the church is going to do what the church is going to do. I've never heard that expression before. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. I heard it once earlier this week and that was the first I've heard it too. It must be catching on. It's an old (laughs) phrase. Come on. Maybe it's a West Virginian thing. I don't know. I like it. All right. Randy's here. We can start. So you started, right? Well, we we tried to. We've had a couple of false starts. Um, But but before we launch into the clips, I just kind of want to go around the horn and see how everybody feels about uh, just the approach. Mike or, or uh, Peter Borgosian's approach to uh, create more atheists in the world. What do you think about that, Randy? <laughs> oh my God. He should not have read his own audiobook. Street epistemology is a vision and a strategy for the next generation of atheists, skeptics, humanists, philosophers, and activists. Left behind is the idealized vision of wimpy, effete philosophers. Older men in jackets with elbow patches, smoking pipes, stroking their white unkempt beards. Gone is cowering to ideology, orthodoxy, and the modern threat of political correctness. Enter the street epistemologist, an articulate, clear, helpful voice with an unremitting desire to help people overcome their faith and to create a better world. 
a world that uses intelligence, reason, rationality, thoughtfulness, ingenuity, sincerity, science, and kindness to build the future. Not a world built on faith, delusion, pretending, religion, fear, pseudoscience, superstition, or a certainty achieved by keeping people in a stupor that makes them pawns of unseen forces because they're terrified. The street epistemologist is a philosopher and a fighter. Kick names, take ass. Uh, oh, you didn't like his voice? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Oh, this guy. This guy. Uh, well, he's an associate professor at Portland State or assistant professor of philosophy. One of the reasons why I was late getting on was Jimmy had a lot to say about how shitty this guy is. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe we should have brought him on, too. We, have, we can have Jimmy on for the next one if Jimmy wants to join. Yeah, why not? He's been living with me for, since April, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, and he is a trained philosopher, but um, and I don't know. Like, uh, Glenn, you kind of tipped your hand with uh, the the release that you did last Wednesday. Yes. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty evangelical. He's all rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of logic or reason that is fleshed out in what you sent us to review. Um, it's uh, 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 okay. I, I have a lot of, I have a lot to say. I just want to hear yeah. what other people have to say before I just, do verbal diarrhea. Well, and, and we'll also go through each clip. So we'll have a chance to respond to each clip. But just in just in general, the idea of having a manual to create atheists, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Tom, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I say thumbs up. Yeah? How come? Yeah. Because I, I don't have a problem with it being out there, and I don't even have a problem with his voice. So, yeah, I guess I'm more of a take you're it just, or leave it sort of. You're thing. just wrong, Tom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just wrong about everything. Uh, Why are you in the dark? Am I in the dark? Yeah. There you are. Is that better? Everything looked lit to me. Why are you in the nursery now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I actually am. Anyways, that's funny. So you guys still have a nursery? Well, no. This is my daughter's old room before she moved out, and mm-hmm. now it's vacated. Uh, it's a craft room, so whatever. Yeah, that was interesting. Yes. Anyways, um, <laughs> so <laughs> so when when you first go through the transition, right, of becoming uh, an ex Mormon or no longer believing or whatever. When I wrote that email, and I know you, Randy, wrote that email, you want to send it out to all your family and friends, like, dude, my eyes have been open. Y'all just need to get on the same train. It's freaking awesome over here. Where I can <laughs> Oh, actually- that worked great, didn't it? <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm saying that that desire of wanting to evangelize, become a missionary and saying, dude, check this out. I found something awesome. Y'all need to get on board. And so I understand that passion. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I totally get that passion. I'm wanting to bring everybody to your perspective, saying, I'm the enlightened one, or at least I can see things clearer now. Y'all need to jump on board. I totally get that. Yeah, so but here's the I thing. Uh, he, he's, uh, it's in the fucking title. This is a manual to create new atheists. 
Uh, I mean, that, that, that betrays like a total ignorance of psychology, human psychology. Uh, you don't, (laughs) uh, I don't know. Uh, we haven't, I haven't read the whole book, so, um, I'm only going by the clips that Glenn gave us, but it's not like you can reason somebody out of being a flat earther, uh, with facts. Are you sure about that? (laughs) I, I just say it's like uh I don't know, it just didn't seem like it had any kind of awareness of that. Well, you know, in, in the clips that I sent today, it's it's the foreword from Michael Shermer and then it's chapter one, which is basically just an introduction. Mm-hmm. Um so so let let me let me sucked. go down the the uh the, the table of contents because th- this is kind of an ambitious approach. We'll see if we're able to finish the whole book. But today we're gonna talk about the foreword in that chapter one, which is called Street Epistemology. Uh, next time we'll talk about chapter two, which is called Faith. And he defines atheist, agnostic, words like faith. Uh, chapter three is doxastic closure, belief, and epistemology. And yes, it is as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> uh, chapter four is interventions and strategies. Chapter five is enter Socrates. We actually interviewed the guy who made that movie. We did. <laughs> chapter seven is anti-apologetics 101. <laughs> chapter eight is faith in the academy. And then chapter nine is containment protocols. So he's got this all mapped out. So by the end of this, we should all be uh, very competent street epistemologists. And he's going to explain to the, uh, what he means by that. And then Delaney also found this really nice uh, clip on YouTube, which I, I, I didn't see exactly who the guy was, but he's a street epistemologist who was tracted out by two Mormon missionaries. And he sat down with them and had like a 45-minute conversation with them trying to apply the street epistemologist tactics to the missionaries. Spoiler, it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. Yeah. But, but I, but I thought after we review this book, it'd be kind of cool to go in and then we can, can analyze how well he did, uh, or not as Delaney spoiled for us, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, any, anything else to say just by way of introduction or should we go to the first clip? So wait, do we have exactly one guy just observing? No, we have, we have Nels and Tim and Brock. We have three guys observing. I only see one dude. Bald guy, headphones, something in the background. What well, is there's, that? There's two, there's two bald guys, so come on. Well, there's three if you can't tell. <laughs> well, we got the, we got the, the lady. Uh, what, your name's Donnie Brasco? Who, me? Donnie Darko. D-E-L-A-N-E-Y-D-A-R-C-O. Oh Delaney Darko. <laughs> oh, that's close. Yeah, so, so Randy, she mentioned you in her listener essay. Okay. <clears throat> the Atheist and the Humanist by Delaney Darko. The Atheist and the Humanist were fighting for the crown. The Atheist beat the Humanist, but then was feeling down. Arrogance is widespread, so try to pipe down and focus on understanding what's in another's crown. This is a story about finding the balance between your inner Randy Snyder and the other part of you who doesn't want to be a total asshole to the believers in your life. Oh, I didn't even listen to it. Oh, such a dick. 
Well, asshole was the word that she used, but yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to it tonight. I promise. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> no, I don't or, listen to if it's on Thrones. Spoiler alert. I'm a loser. You are pathetic and weak. Yeah. I've listened since, like when you guys were on uh, Mormon Expression, some of you, and um, I just appreciated your like bluntness. I said um, our inner Randy Snyder because you just say it how it is, and sometimes we have an inner asshole that we that needs to speak its mind. So, for a long time, that's what this podcast was for me. Yeah, was to, give, to give voice to my inner asshole. Yeah. And now what is it? Is that where Boyd K. Packer comes from? I'm always channeling my Boyd K. Packer. I don't channel <laughs> Boyd K. Packer. <laughs> no, I channel my, I want to stab him in the face. Okay. All right. I've got the first clip all queued up and ready to go. Are we ready? Finally. Here we go. A manual for creating atheists. Written by Peter Bogosian. Never be a spectator of unfairness or stupidity. The grave will supply plenty of time for silence. Christopher Hitchens. All right. So that that's just a, a, a little quote from the foreword. But, you know, he juxtaposes unfairness and stupidity together. And that just kind of jumped out to me. <laughs> did, did, did any of you have any uh, comments on that? No. Nothing at all? Well, his voice is still not annoying. Oh, it's <laughs> extremely annoying. No, it's not. That's subjective, Randy. <laughs> No, so, it's totally so, subjective. You're just subjectively <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so, so what? So what do you think about this idea of being a bystander or just sitting by when there's unfairness happening or stupidity happening? So you don't. Yeah, like I see what you're trying to say that we are supposed to feel more moral obligation to correct unfairness than we are stupidity, right? Well, yeah. So I mean, you look at uh, what's the only resistance left in the United States to. Uh, gay rights. Anyone? Anyone want to stand up and answer that question? What's the only resistance left? Yeah, I don't know. Religion. Bigotry. The religious. No, the the religious right. Okay. Uh, that's where you're seeing all this bullshit pop up. This legislation pop up about religious freedom to be bigots is what it really means. And the Mormon Church is just right on board with this. Um, so yeah, I don't think that we should be silent on that shit. Um, but if I have an employee who is really big on Jesus, should I make it my goal to disabuse her of her, um, cherished belief when it gives her kind of a lot of meaning in her life? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think this guy is like trying to come up with simple answers for things that are very complex. But how do you know that that employee wouldn't appreciate even like in the long term, you sort of sowing seeds of doubt so that she eventually becomes an unbeliever in whatever faith she's in. Well, I long term, like if, if for me, like, you know, we've talked about this before. Like if someone would have came to me and said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to talk to you about a little, some critical thinking skills or how you can unplug a little bit. And maybe that would have got me out of the church way earlier. I think I would have been genuinely appreciative of that. I think. 
Well, let's take an even easier case, which is like somebody that you know well, and you know what they're, um, you, like my mom. So this um, summer was pretty awesome. I took my kids out to Southern Utah and we visited my place of origin and hung out with my mom and went to like Bryce Canyon, Zions Canyon, the Grand Canyon, all sorts of canyons, many canyons. And, um, my mom has known because I've been posting on Facebook for oh, at least since the first sunstone I went to, which was a couple of years ago, um, that I don't wear gar- garments and, uh, she's like liked photos on social media, but she has never, ever talked to me about it. And she, my, my sister tried to talk to her a little bit. My other sister left the church and, um, but I've never said anything to her about it. So we're like in the car driving for all these many hours that it takes to drive across the desert. And I like try to broach the subject with her, like, uh, so you maybe have noticed that I don't wear garments. And she said, yes, I have noticed that. I'm like, well, you know, if you want to ask any questions or know anything about, you know, my, uh, situation with the church, I'm really happy to talk about it or not talk about it. If, um, you know, whatever your preference is. And she said to me, I think that is entirely your business. And I was like, okay, um, this was like leaving the church was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, it would be nice if she like took an interest in how I was doing or how I handled that. Let me, you know, give her like one more shot here and asked her, you know, I'm not trying to hide anything. Like, I'm really happy to talk about it. Anything you want to know. And she started singing along with the radio. Cecilia, you're breaking my heart. Like, <laughs> cut it down. It about sex, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm like, okay, she does not want to talk about it. And I think about, you know, I mean, she's my mom. She lives in a tiny town in southern Utah where the entire world is Mormon. It's the, it's, uh, the center of existence there. And I'm thinking, you know, does my atheist worldview, which I quite enjoy, does that really offer her anything in the way of... Um, of comfort, community, it's going to take some of those things away and does it offer her anything in return? And I think in her particular position, I I can't really come up with something that it does, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons she doesn't want to talk about it because she would be, I mean, she got a lot to lose and it's just not worth it to her. And there's like part of me that would love to be understood by my mom, but honestly, I've like, it's hardest. Faith transition is hard. Sorry, this is turning into some like monologue here, but like the hard part of faith transition is way over for me. The hard part is when you're trying to decide what you believe and you're trying to hold on to beliefs as they're taken from you. And that's the really scary hard part. That's the part when you need the most to talk to people who understand you and love you and care about you. And it's also the time that you're most isolated because you're taught in the church that testimony and belief is something that you share and doubts are a private matter that you keep to yourself. So the time that you most need to talk to people is the time that nobody wants to hear it. So Tom, um, uh, you know, when I'm dealing with this, uh, cause I have this one employee that's really into Jesus and, um, to me, I don't see any point into directly attacking her belief in Jesus but you, you, you were talking about planting seeds and I do that. I do that all the time. Um, that's why she's so obsessed with me <laughs> is uh, she can't, it, she's never met an atheist before and her boss is her atheist. And so the seeds that I try to plant, I don't take a frontal attack. There's no manual. I don't think that, that anyone can make a manual for how to successfully 
achieve the goal of a secular world. That's what, uh, who cares about atheists? Like fucking atheists, whatever. What we like is a secular world. <clears throat> and, and so what I do is I tell her about this wonderful friend I have. His name is John Hamer. <laughs> um, and then I tell her about my former son who is now my daughter. Uh, and, and just, just kind of, I, that those are the seeds that I plant that I throw out there. I think that's going to keep her Christian for a really long time. <laughs> I don't know what those are seeds. Not when she, not when she like respects me. Yeah. yeah. That probably also scares the shit out of her. Okay. Well, I, I, um, I just don't think that attacking her cherished belief directly right. with right. Emmanuel is, is, is any better. Yeah. So I'm just trying to plant seeds. Yeah. Well, I, I agree in, in principle that a, a frontal full-on attack of someone's beliefs isn't, isn't necessarily effective. I completely agree with that. But I will, what I will say is it's not 100% not effective. Like occasionally a frontal assault or a, an attack, as it were, still does do things. It's still like connects with psychology as like, so, does not support this <laughs> is so is it so is it either a, a yes or a no then it either works or it doesn't what i'm saying is the percentage is low but what i'm saying is that low percentage still is could be beneficial to people like i mean i'm thinking of an example of a really really good friend of mine who he and i battled for a long time about homosexuality and i was on the you know, they, they need to be accepted, blah, blah, blah. And he was still on this. Oh, I thought you were on the other side. <sighs> I was a long, much it's a longer. Joke. It's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> Anyways. So, but I was, I was full on attacking him. Like I, I was going balls to the wall on him and he did resist it. And it put a strain on our friendship for a long time, but it was like two or three years later because we weathered the storm and he had this like tearful remorse sort of conversation with me. He says, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate that because I'd go to bed at night thinking about what you'd said. And it kind of was starting to churn in his head. And he's like, it started slowly started to make sense to me. And then, you know, it took some time, but he came around. I don't know. So, but when I go with, when I, when I think of Heather's story with her mom, um, uh, that makes me think of my little brother and uh, what effect and power it has on people's lives. And so Heather's like, okay, so if I attack my mom's cherished beliefs, uh, do I have anything to offer <laughs> to replace it? And I, that's what I think about with my little brother is, is, uh, you know, I, I'm trying, I try really hard to sway him towards more democratic more liberal ideas, ideals, ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not like, I'm very careful not to do any direct assaults because I don't have anything to replace it with. Well, I, that makes, that makes total sense. But I guess what I'm ultimately trying to say is even in the situation with Heather and her mom and my situation with some of my family members, th there's really no answer as to how we can reach and actually connect with where we stand or our perspectives, our positions to people on different belief spectrums, like way on the other side, there's really not a really good effective way 
of connecting and bridging gaps that way. So sometimes a frontal assault and attack. Well, this book is a manual. It's a manual. I mean, you just follow the manual, just follow the recipe. All right. Yeah. All right. (laughs) That's the problem I have with this book. It's like right from the title. But what I, I guess manual. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think we should dismiss really any approach, even even something as abrasive as being, you know, a mission atheist missionary. I still think that that can be effective. I will agree that it's a low percentage, but I'm just saying we shouldn't dismiss it outright. That's what well, I'm and, and, well, and all maybe, I'm saying is that you shouldn't uh, dismiss the power of the effect that you would have as well like you need to take that seriously and, and maybe power? the uh the value um of going through a manual like this isn't to be like super aggressive and to talk to anybody who's religious to have everybody lose their faith but when people come to you questioning and you can kind of tell that they're in that place where they're ready to question and they're not quite sure how and they know that you've been through this um can you help them? Can you be that person that talks them through it? Uh, you know, maybe some of the, the lessons and the skills uh, taught in this manual would be helpful in those cases. So it's really just a matter of how aggressive or not are you going to be in proselytizing atheism. Can we go back to the root of uh, the reason why we're even all here? Okay. Uh, why did this person think that many of us have become cultural relativist i don't know i don't know i I certainly am not a fucking cultural relativist no 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 no. i don't know but and 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 we'll get to relativism in one of the future chapters it's not it's not dealt with um up to this point but yeah that that is the that is the reason uh he emailed us but if if he gets back to us i'll i'll let you know all right i'm gonna play the next clip are we good heather and donnie brasco Delaney Darko. Delaney. <laughs> like Delaney instead of Darko. Donnie Darko, you, you remember the movie Donnie Darko? Yeah. Not Donnie Brasco. I want to <laughs> hear from Delaney Brasco. Am I still <laughs> muted? No, not no. now. Okay. I, I want you to me. tell me where I'm wrong. Hmm. Okay. I think some people like the sport of deba- debate, and I think this is a guide for anybody who likes to evangelize on the street with other people who are looking for that too. Um, So my first knee jerk reaction was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not an in your face kind of person. So I I agree with you, but I also agree with Tom because um, I, after I watching a couple street epistemology, little YouTube videos, they, they almost, yeah, I know they have like a hidden agenda to try to talk reason into people, but it's almost like a a nice way to just have a good conversation with somebody who is, whose beliefs are so different than yours. I could picture myself maybe using some of this stuff to talk about some of my Christian friends and not as a way to deconvert them, but just to kind of explain uh, where I'm coming from. A lot of people here, a lot of my friends here, they're not Mormon. They know nothing about Mormonism, but um, so they, they, they totally understand why I left the weird Mormon church. You're like, Oh, that's bananas, you know, but, but Christianity is almost a whole different 
there. And my friend saw, she saw me um, reading this book this weekend. We were camping with them and I was like almost scared for her to see it. So I'm like, oh, cause I know she's super Christian and, and not in an in your face way, but Jesus is important to her. And I was like almost apologizing, like, don't worry, I'm not like out to get you. <laughs> cause I mean, this title is super like, and the intro is super in your face. Just like, yeah, we're going to deconvert the world and the world will be so much better place. But um, I'm hoping to use it more of like, I don't know, maybe a mediator. Well, like I, I'm totally on board with the idea of making yourself known um, as to what you believe and don't believe. Um, because that's, that's a powerful thing is cause I'm the first atheist, many people in my lives in, in my life, um, uh, have ever met and never encountered. And people need to know that there are people out there that just don't believe. Right. Um, but isn't but, it all about tone and approach though, Randy? I mean, you're not going, you know, walking into your workplace and say, you know, God isn't real. So. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's where I'm coming from. So if you guys believe in stuff, fuck y'all. I mean, it's all about no. approach. That's kind of what I've been saying this whole time. Yeah. So I guess I'm agreeing with you for a change. <laughs> can you give Can you give me a sigh? You're welcome, Randy. I, I I love it when Tom agrees with you, and it sounds like he's arguing with you anyway. <laughs> it just made my whole argument, yeah. and then, uh, but he was he sounded angry at me. Right, right. I thought he was angry at you too. <laughs> Forward, born again atheist, by Michael Shermer. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life? Wow, that's quite a claim. And as we skeptics like to say, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Is there extraordinary evidence for the claim that accepting Jesus of Nazareth bestows upon the believer eternity? No. Is there even any ordinary evidence for this extraordinary claim? No. There is no evidence whatsoever. As to date, not one person who has died has returned to report a celestial realm where a first century carpenter resides with his father, God. When editing. I, I, I want to talk about this idea of evidence. And because you've said this a million times, Randy, over the, the six years of this podcast, that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Maybe not in exactly those words, but you say things. No, like, all, all but I'm now saying, you're stopping at it, and I'm confused. No, I, what I'm, I'm saying is, is I agree with all the words that he says. Yeah. It's just his tone is so off-putting. Is it Shermer's tone in this saying, one? Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, he's just like, he calls himself a born again atheist. Like what the, f- why are you fucking using their terms? That's gross. And, and he's just really snarky. And do you but, not like Michael Shermer? No, I don't like Michael Shermer. I don't think really, I don't think he's even that smart. Okay. I met him twice. Yeah. I was with <laughs> you one a time. Yeah. Not the other. Uh, I just don't. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I agree with everything he says. I just don't like his tone on this forward. <laughs> and you don't like the guy, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys are all like, oh, Randy's the hardcore atheist. Uh, <laughs> he's he's going to be a home run on supporting this shit. And I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't well, I, like just, it. I just want you to be you, man. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just me, yeah. 
All right. Uh, and, and anything on this point about uh, needing evidence for your faith claims? Because th- th- this is an area, and I mean, you heard all the way to the end. I, I, I think that atheists make incredible claims. Like, like when you're a real strident atheist, it's absolutely certain that there's no God. And, and other claims that are made like that, that they're like, oh, well, I don't need to provide it evidence for my claims. You need to pro- provide evidence for yours. That has always rubbed me the wrong way. And I've, I've never, well, I've, I've never wrong understood. With that. Huh? There's nothing wrong with that. Like nothing wrong with what? No, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with, uh, I definitely believe there's no God, but I do think that if you're making a claim about a certain God, that, uh, the burden of evidence is on you. The sure, burden, but, but, it, but even if you're making a claim that the world would be better, the world would be, be a better place without religion in it. Oh my God, you like, can't. Where's the evidence? No, that's for that? fucking crazy. That okay? That's a bigger issue. Like to to say that is is the uh, uh, the epitome of hubris, right? Like, and, you have no I- <laughs> you have no fucking idea what the world would look like uh, without religion. But that's a bigger issue. I thought we'd get to that later. Um, but I just don't like, I don't like rhetoric. I don't like, uh, I guess, like, cause I agree with everything Michael Shermer said. I just don't like the way he rhetorically uh, couches it. Well, you also do just to point out, you, you do have some examples in human history of experiments with atheism, like in the former Soviet union and with the wave of atheism. What do you know about that? And, uh, in Europe. So you can actually compare more religious zones of the world with less religious zones of the world or unreligious zones of the world and with their history. And, um, so, so you can, you can actually test that claim a little bit. Yeah. So, so what, what, what would you think that's indicating? Yeah. Please elaborate on that, Heather. Oh, I don't remember the quote. What, what, what was it? Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying the world is a better place. What the world would be like without, um, yeah, yeah you do. Well, I think I Soviet think Russia. we'd be I think we'd still be humans, and we we would replace religion with some other ideology, like communism. Yeah, socialism. Exactly. Yeah, that works out. Oh, it's totally worked out. So, and, and uh, that's a big question with the world. Uh, but what I do agree with is, if we had a secular government, would that be better? I think that probably would be better. And we have evidence of that in Scandinavia. Uh, Scandinavia is not an atheist um, based government. It's a secular based government government. Like that's what's the evidence. If that's the evidence. Okay. That's the law we'll make. I've always, <laughs> I can't, I can't understand why, you know, the Michael Shermer, the guy um, seems to taint so much of his words. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that he acts like the right-wing fundamentalist Fox Newsing uh, Christian is all of the religious people in the world. And so I think it's a little bit of a straw man that he's beating the shit out of. Like I said, I hate rhetoric. All right. Play another clip. All right. Because no one else is talking. Maybe I should go. I'll play another clip. Don't go. Don't go. Christians believe that we were originally created sinless, but because God gave us free will and Adam and Eve chose to eat the forbidden fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, 
We are all born with original sin as part of our nature, even though we did not commit the original sinful act ourselves. See, I like that Delaney's got the head bobbing there with the music. That, that's what that's for. <laughs> so so this, this one, there's, like, there's, there's definitely Mormon differences here, right? With the yeah. original sin thing, because the article of faith that men will be punished for their own sin and not for Adam's transgression. But is that, is that real? Is that really what Mormons believe? Or are they more lumped in with general Christianity on original sin? That's a good one. Because there's a lot of exceptions in Mormonism. Like yeah, parents yeah, yeah. parents blame themselves if their kids go wayward. So they're not blamed for just their own sins. Well, and even, you know, I, I remember as a missionary teaching that there were two obstacles to returning to God. One was physical death and the other one was sin. And that, that they, they both came into this world as a result of Adam and Eve and, and the fall. Hmm. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't totally jive with men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. But is there an asterisk on the article of faith <laughs> that says "see below"? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe so that's our, part of the rebranding soon to happen. <laughs> yeah, part of the rebranding. Yeah. So are we are we taking this from a Mormon perspective or from a political perspective? Political. For sure. <laughs> don't you're not gonna get me to say his name. I don't need <laughs> But you are gonna you're gonna indirectly reference him, not by name though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the time has passed that we can dismiss the religious right. But um taking this from a Mormon perspective, um yeah, that's that's what I was taught, that's what I believed. Okay. All right. Next clip. Go to the next clip. <laughs> I saw Heather shake her head. I don't know what no, that I'm, means. No, no, I'm just, that was something else. God could just forgive the sin we never committed, but instead he sacrificed his son, Jesus, who is actually just himself in the flesh because Christians believe in only one God. That's what monotheism means of which Jesus and the Holy spirit are just different manifestations. Three in one and one in three. Nope, that that doesn't pass the Mormon test. Yeah. <laughs> They're three distinct individuals, man. Two of them have bodies. One of them doesn't, but he yeah. eventually will. Yeah. The Holy Ghost will get his body. Make no mistake. Who, who, who did you think the Holy Ghost was? Did you have any, like, pet theories? <laughs> no. One I, what I, I thought, liked. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I just say I thought he was ordained before the foundation of the world. So I didn't have anyone who lived a life as the Holy ghost. Uh, but is it Claudia? It's Claudia. George. <laughs> it's Donnie. different every time. Are you looking down a dictionary for different names and you're just going to point at one then? Right? Hey, crap. No, I, I heard one like, like just maybe three years ago. I don't think it would jive with like, most Mormons, but that the Holy Spirit is Heavenly Mother, which I thought yeah. was cool. Oh my God. You are so blasphemous. I know. This is, a, this is a dick-oriented religion. You cannot 
be a woman and be in the Godhead. That, but that, no that way. was the one no that I had heard too. No way. I, I really liked it. I thought, yeah. oh, okay, really? that's good. Except it didn't make any sense that then why doesn't the Holy Ghost have a body because Heavenly Mother has a body. But I, but I liked the idea. And what a body. <laughs> yeah, the one I heard was that the Archangel Gabriel might have been the Holy Ghost. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought Gabriel was Noah. Well, it depends on the theory, bro. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't, why? I don't know. <laughs> in my Mormon experience, the Holy Ghost was ordained before the foundation of the world and did not live a mortal life. That, yeah. that, that was always, it was always really hard for me to accept that because it, it didn't really square with the war in heaven and the plan of salvation, you know, that everybody, the purpose of life is to come to the earth to get a body. And I, I thought, well, then why wouldn't the Holy Ghost have a, it just, it seems strange. It didn't quite fit with the way that Mormon cosmology evolved. But you, but you did believe that eventually... The Holy Ghost would. Well, I would try to square. I would try to square the circle. You know, I, I, I so I, at one point I thought, well, maybe if if Jesus is following what God did, um, you know, like it, it, I, I think this was King Follett discourse, maybe that, that Jesus did everything that, that God did. So God at one time was the savior of the world, like Jesus was the savior of this world, and it's just like we're following the leader and it's God. I thought, well, maybe the Holy ghost is an earlier version. So maybe Jesus before he became the God of this world was like a spirit person. And it's just like this progression of deity that we're seeing the, like different phases of it. I, I, so I, that was, that was just a thought I had at one point. I don't know that I ever heard that anywhere or really even talked about it, but <laughs> I remember on my mission, actually false doctrine. Yeah. So, sort of uh, mocking the whole, Christian sort of belief where God, Christ, and the Holy Ghost are all one. I always thought that that's where Mormonism won, definitely, because it's like, you really want me to believe that all three individuals are one person and they take different forms. God came down here on earth, just like what Michael Schirmer said, like, none of that makes sense. I mean, come on, really? That's what I that's what I remember thinking, like, just logically break this down. They're not all just one person. Okay. He wasn't like talking to himself as he's praying. Yeah. I mean, come on. And what does it mean to sacrifice yourself? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, next clip. The only way to avoid eternal punishment for sins we never committed from this all loving God is to accept his son who is actually himself as our savior. So God sacrificed himself to himself, to save us from himself. Barking mad. See, stuff like this. Barking always, mad isn't an argument. No, <laughs> no it's rhetoric. Stuff it's like not. this always bugged the shit out of me because I thought, oh, this is somebody who just doesn't get it. You know, as a believer, I thought, oh, he just doesn't get it. And he's creating straw men. And yeah, you can't do anything about a straw man. I still don't really like this Look how stupid it is, you guys. God, God uh, sacrificed himself to save us from himself. Like that, that last part was a little bit of a stretch too, but I don't know. Anybody have a similar reaction? Yeah, but, I had a similar reaction. Well, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. You can do it in a less clumsy way. How would you have done it in a less clumsy way? 
Um, I would say uh, this is what I do. Uh, this happened actually recently. Um, a guy who's my brother's age was in Denver um, in town for business and we had lunch or dinner with him. And through the course of the dinner, he said that he had converted to Catholicism. And so I said, okay, the only problem I have with Catholicism, and that was a lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is the pedophilia? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, is, is, is the concept of hell. Um, and he had told us that his son was an atheist. And that was really hard for him. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about the concept of hell. Um, and that's how I approach it. I don't say you're stupid for believing in the, the, you know, these myths. I'm like, okay, let's talk about the concept of hell. So you believe that I, you know, and your son and my brother sitting next to me, who was your friend, uh, back since 1972, uh, we deserve eternal punishment, which is worse than anything Hitler did, anything Stalin did, anything Mao Zedong did you believe that we should be tortured forever? Is that, is that really your belief? And then you saw the kind of the backpedaling. And so that's, that's my approach is like, okay, let me take this one concept and let me ask you about it. Do you think I deserve to be tortured forever (laughs) just because I picked the wrong God? And, and, and so, I mean, that, 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 that's kind of the way I go with that. Silence. I fucking kill every conversation. <laughs> Why am I here? Let's, let's give it up for Randy, everyone. Randy Snyder. <laughs> I just want somebody to go, no, I think that's wrong, <laughs> and push back or <laughs> elaborate on what I'm saying. But it's instead, everything I say is just met with silence. <laughs> I think it's just one of those nights, Randy. It's just one of those nights. Uh, okay. I think that's a good approach. Because then you're not dismissing like their whole, you know, everything about them, their whole identity. And That's really kind of key is, is people yeah. like if you have, if they have thoughts that are tied to their identity, uh, you know, just coming at them with a frontal assault on all of them. Good luck. Um, but just, just to kind of like personalize it. Uh, I mean, I think there's even a concept of like, Ant, whatever. Ant, I think I brought this up on a podcast already. Ant Man? No, like Aunt Gertrude, you know, she was a Jew and, you know, never, never accepted Jesus in her life, but she was the sweetest aunt you ever had. Like, she was wonderful. And, you, and then someone will say, What well, do you think? She's going to hell? Oh, no. I'm sure there's going to be some consideration for how wonderful she was. Um, and so, like, I, I just think breaking down one thing at a time, especially when you personalize it by saying, do you think I deserve to be tortured forever? I think that's a, a, an effective way to break down people's cherished beliefs. I, I had or the at least opposite. to think that, have them think about it. Anyway, opposite. Yeah, I, I was saying I, I had almost the opposite experience with my former mother-in-law who was certain that her father who who had never joined the church would just be going to hell and that he would suffer for all eternity. And I said, but haven't, haven't your siblings done his temple work for him? 
She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, don't you think that he accepted that? Maybe. Well, then why would he be suffering forever? Oh, because God won't forgive him for the things that he did. Like, God would revoke so that. that's, that, that's the opposite of Aunt Gertrude. Thing there. <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was not a pleasant conversation. But. Yeah, but you didn't personalize it to me. Do you think I should suffer? You know me. You want me to answer that? No, what I'm saying is, you know me. Um, you, you have... Yeah, but, if, but, if, but, but seriously, if we were having this conversation and you asked me this, I would say, I'm not God. I don't have to make that decision. And I, you know, that's my sidestep. That's how I would get out of that one. Yeah, but I'm not trying to frontally attack their beliefs. I'm just trying to plant seeds, like Tom says. Sidely attack it? Yeah. Sidely. Right. Has anyone asked a family member what will happen to them now that they've left the church or now that they're an atheist? Well, yeah, I have, but most of it is like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, even though, you know, in their mind, they have an idea, but I think what it is, is like, like what Randy's sort of talking about. If, If you take that, the personal attachment approach out of it, like, oh, my son, my, my mother, my father, my brother. If I don't think of where I, they might end up in the Mormon structure, then it's easier on me mentally. Okay, I won't think about that then. Yeah, uh, when, we, when we die, God will work it all out. I, I, I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to think about that. Yeah, I'll just deal with, you know, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord and everything will work out. Yeah, that, that's how it will work. No, my dad's actually more specific. Uh, specific. Uh, uh, he is a disciple of Robert Millet, who was a former um, director of religion at BYU, whatever the fuck that title is. I don't know what it is. Um, but Robert Millet um, put forth the idea in lots of articles that if you are, if, if a man and a woman are, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, happy. No, keep, keep the covenants of their celestial marriage. Happy, <laughs> no, happy, <laughs> happiness doesn't have anything to do with this. Okay. If a couple keeps the covenants of their, uh, you know, new and everlasting covenant, the kids will come back whether, they want to or not <laughs> and whether you're alive to see it or not. They're so my dad, in. they're compelled. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so my dad just believes that I will be in the celestial kingdom. Um, I didn't earn the top level of the celestial kingdom, but at least he'll be able to visit me. Cause you can't go down and visit right. people in the terrestrial. Right. But the, that's right out, right out. So, hey, wi- hey, wives! Let's go down and visit Randy. He's been lonely. Yeah, let's go visit. Let's go visit the the lesser of our kin. <laughs> he's probably serving other gods. Let's go check and see how he's doing. Yeah, so that's that's the only one I've kind of asked that question directly, um, and that's his answer. That's a pretty generous. I mean, has anyone been told they will go to outer dark- darkness? I don't know what the doctrine actually is are we mm. oh yeah Apostate? are we deniers uh, or are we just we, we, we have violated the number one sin which is denying the holy ghost oh you have to have a no, perfect we have knowledge not. you have to have a perfect no because none of us had a perfect knowledge that's right whatever we're endowed dude 
No, what we're apostates. Mean? We're apostates. We're outer darkness. Unless, most, unless, unless I think we're, I think we're just doomed for the telestial, but outer darkness. That's yeah. You, you, from wish. what I was you're, taught, you're like aiming for the telestial is a way to get out of outer darkness, but <laughs> and, it, and it depends if you're going by, if you're going by the way that Joseph Smith taught it, it's if you reject what oh. he's saying, Come on, then man. that's the worst possible thing. Yeah, and we have so knowledge. Now you're talking about like historical accuracy and shit like that. That's, yeah. That's never been Mormonism's uh, forte. Yeah. All right. We ready for the next clip? Please. (laughs) This all sounds positively daft, but when you're in the religious bubble, everything makes sense, and there is no such thing as chance, randomness, and contingencies. Things happen for a reason, and God has a plan for each and every one of us. When something good happens, God is rewarding us for our faith, our good works, or our love of Christ. When something bad happens, well, God does work in mysterious ways, you know. Inside the bubble, the explanatory filter works at every level, from the sublime to the ridiculous, from career opportunities to parking spots. I thanked God for everything, from getting me into the Christian-based Pepperdine University, my grades and SAT scores were unspectacular, to finding a parking place at theaters and restaurants. In the Christian worldview, there is a place for everything, and everything is in its place. And believe it or not, when you're committed to that belief system, it is internally consistent and logically coherent. As long as you don't look too closely, and you are surrounded by others who are also in the bubble. I can't help it. I can't help bobbing my head. I'm glad. I like it. I really appreciated that he said that when you're in that bubble, there is a consistent, cohesive logic things do make sense when you're in that bubble. It's, it's when yes. you get out of it that they, they stop. And I, yes. I don't hear that um, acknowledged uh, very, very frequently. So I was, I was glad that he said that and wondered what you guys think about that. Yeah, I, I, I agree because it is harder to continue to empathize with the, I guess, the other side. It's, it's somewhat easier for us because we've been there. Like we can empathize from, with their perspective looking on us, but you know, it's just like, if you change perspectives, it actually takes work to remember what the other view looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I was glad he said that because up until that point, I was like, I don't know about this guy. And then after that paragraph or or two, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, at least he's being honest about that. That's it. This is this is Randy giving the awkward silence to other people. This is his revenge. Randy's revenge. <laughs> All right. No, I mean that. I, I think that really rings true with, uh, you know, the Gospel of Lost Keys. You know, it's a long-running joke with Mormonism. Yeah. Um, when, when 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 you lost the uh, belief in God, did you also lose that? gratitude for finding your keys, you know, or, or like that, that, that feeling of gratefulness when the little things that you wanted to have happen do happen that you used to say, thank you, God, thank you so much, heavenly father for making this happen. And now you don't say that anymore. Do you still feel the gratitude or did that go away with it? No, I just feel lucky. Like, damn, that was lucky. And, uh, and, but you know, you say things like, thank God, Thank God that happened. Uh, you don't mean literally thank God. You're just like, man, I'm fucking lucky. 
and it's great being a white male oh, in this. Just oozing with privilege, right? Even oh, my one. God. Ooh. Oh, you can't put a price on that shit. Just dripping with it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it is true. Like, uh, like I said, I agree with everything Michael Shermer says in this foreword um, that you can't, they, they create an uh, unfalsifiable God. You know, if the answer is yes, then let's praise it on the mountaintops. If the answer is no, then, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, then the answer is no. And uh, God's got it, a reason. You just don't know what it is. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's a comedian. He's like uh, the millennial version. I can't remember his name, but he's the, do you guys know who Mitch Hedberg is? Of course. He's dead. And (laughs) anyway, he was, he was the kind of the pioneer of the, of the, the joke. Yeah. The one liner. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this new kid who's fucking hilarious. Uh, He's got a Netflix special. So it's called overthinking or something like that. Anyway. So he has this one bit where he's like, so I was at a party and this friend of mine said, everything happens for a reason. And then, so I slapped him in the face and then he goes, why'd you do that? And he said, you tell me. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> That's, I expected more of a reaction because it's a really funny joke. It is. Uh, I gave you a reaction. Glenn was the I, only one. I have nothing to uh, apologize for. <laughs> I'll a laugh great when joke. you call me by the right name. There you go. <laughs> Your name is Delaney or Claudia? Yes. Donnie Brawny. Yeah. I like Donnie Brasco because that's, that's a movie. <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Yeah. So uh, Donnie Brasco. You're, you're, you're a Fugazi. All Do right. you know what a Fugazi is? I, I know a band called Fugazi. Is that the same? Uh, Fugazi like, uh, is, is, is a fake. Anyway, um, no, I had nothing to add. That's All it. Right. I'll go, go to the next clip. Well, the comedian's name is Dimitri Martin, by the way. But yeah, that's that's oh, it. Okay, thank you, Tom. Silence. Had I read this book when I was a neophyte Bible thumper, I would have saved scores of people from my incessant door-to-door evangelizing, and spared my patient and loving family members who were surely at wit's end with me. Endless mini sermons about Jesus and the good book that carried his gospel. If I started reading a manual for creating atheists as a Christian, I would have been an atheist by the time I finished it. Peter Bogosian's A Manual for Creating Atheists is the perfect companion to Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion. They should be bundled like an atheist software package to reprogram minds into employing reason instead of faith, science instead of superstition. All right, so that's that's the last clip from... uh from Shermer and then we'll, we'll get into the Borgosian ones here. I, I, I thought it was a little ironic the way that he framed it, that if, if he would have read this book and been converted to atheism, then he would have spared his family members, all of his proselyting and sermonizing for Christianity. Hmm. But a different Probably type of proselyting. Kind of, it would have been a different type of proselyting uh, as a day. So maybe, maybe they were just uh, doomed to, to be proselytized by him uh, one way or the other. But um, I, what, what, what do you guys think about this idea? You kind of made a little quip, Randy, uh, that this book would have convinced him to become an atheist. 
Uh, it's well, just hyperbole big, for a forward in a book. I mean, that's just kind of a big presumption. Like, would, would he be in the right frame of mind if that book? You know, he probably would have burned it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He just was like, I don't know. It, it was very presumptuous. Yeah, I agree with you, Glenn, that this was a very heavy-handed endorsement. I think Shermer was probably writing it down or reading it or whatever and said, yeah, he did ask me to do this. I, I, I do need to say this with the God delusion. Right. They were packaged together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, this is this is certainty that it's going to create atheists everywhere. It, it needs to be on every bookshelf in every house, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, do you... What what was the process like for you guys? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that you all identify as an atheist in one way or not. Oh, that's an assumption. Are you are you not, Tom? No, I'm not. What I'm, what do you what do you consider like? What would you say? Uh, I know I'm just squabbling with terms here, but right. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty militant agnostic, I guess. Yeah, but 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 as far as like it's it's all of the baggage that's associated with atheism that makes you want to not not as an not totally but yeah it's definitely okay. a factor yeah okay all right well, i'm still a fucking atheist okay you can just yeah. say you're an atheist too <laughs> no i'm a fucking atheist <laughs> and and my, my question is what, what was the process like for you guys to become that was it like you read a book and then boom you're an atheist is that even a realistic yeah. Thing? The lights just turned on and yeah, no, it's not quite, it wasn't that easy for me. It, it was the long journey. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of actually was suspicious when I deconstructed Mormonism and the book of Mormon and all that stuff. I, it took me a long time to actually turn my sights, my critical thinking sights onto the Bible yeah. and Christianity. I didn't want to go down that road because I had a lot yeah, of friends, that, a lot of friends that did that. And mm-hmm. I saw where, you know, the goal ended and I was like, I really don't want to do that because Jesus and that whole New Testament, Jesus anyways, um, meant a Which lot. Which one? John or Mark or Luke? How about all of them, Randy? Does that work? They're not the same person. You, you, got, you got an unsolicited sigh on that one, Randy. <laughs> so, so is, he the, is he the suffering servant that's in secret? Or is he Jesus Christ Superstar? What's your favorite gospel, Tom? You tell me which is, 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 is it the American Jesus capitalist? <sighs> or or the actual Jesus who was anti-government? So or Tom, the literal, I remember the literal Jesus that actually lived that may not have said any of that. Yeah. I, I remember you sharing Absolutely. with me pro- probably seven or eight years ago the, the Julius Sweeney letting go of God. So good, right? Yeah. And to to me. I could see that being, you know, what, what Shermer yeah. was talking about this book being, you, you listen to that, you listen to her tell the story, but the approach is so different. You know, the style is yeah. so different. Yeah. Um, but the way that she uh, expresses how God finally just, just, they said goodbye to each other. You know, the way right. that she described it was so perfect, right. but she, she well, do she all also these desperate things to try and hold on to it. It just doesn't yes. work. Yeah. And she also was self-deprecating, you know, she was like, oh, these Mormon missionaries came to my house and I thought their ideas are so silly. Right. And then I started to think about my own ideas. Right. 
How silly are they? You know, that's that's the approach. Yeah. Her, met, her metaphor of putting on the no god goggles or whatever. Right. You know, and that to me is brilliant because she's like, I put them on and I'm on this freaking rock in the middle of space and we're hurling out and it's just <laughs> gravity's the only thing that's keeping us on here. What the hell? She takes them off like, okay, good. Everything's still <laughs> yeah, <fine>. right. <laughs> nice. I was like, that's pretty good. I still need to read that one. Oh, so good. Yeah. That, that, that's no, you, a listen. You watch it. You don't read it. Yeah. Oh, the, you watch the it. Video. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a performance. Oh. Yeah. But, so, Tom, what you're saying is like you tried to hold on to Jesus for as long as possible. Yeah. And then even when Jesus was gone, did you try to hold on to God? And after that, did you try to hold on to something, some will? Sort of. Sort of but the problem is, is the critical thinking skills chip away at a lot of it. <laughs> so this it evolution, happens. Yeah. Thanks, Randy. But this this <laughs> evolution or even de-evolution, I guess, of how I view God has taken different shapes and sizes and definitions into what it is now. And what is it? What is what? What is it? My view now? What is your what is your God? <sighs> a, a question mark. I actually, I actually, not a question, it. Luke, not a question, John. <laughs> God, Glenn, that was a terrible uh, job. Uh, you get a sigh or a groan. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually, I kind of like the idea. There was a comedian that was talking about this, where if, if us as mankind evolve to where we're smart enough, could we have enough technology or advance enough that maybe we could do something as crazy as start a big, big bang of our own. And then I was like, I suppose it's probable. Um, so why, <laughs> if we were to do that, if some, somebody, you know, some Rick and Morty guy, some <laughs> was in his garage. Why do we stop that, man? And, we should have kept that going. The Rick and Morty. If he's, the, if he's in the garage and he finds some way to create a big bang, then boom, then all of a sudden he's God. <laughs> then that's, that's kind of the way it's like somebody, some, or something started it, got the big bang going. And that's God, I guess. I mean, but it, Whoever the so, God, so your God is like Cartoon Rick, kind of. Sanchez, it's, it's a very my God is a very hands off God. It's a God that kind of. So you're lit, a deist, lit the fuse, and then that's a deist. Is it yeah, one? that's a deist. That's a deist. What did you say, Heather? The clockmaker. Clockmaker, which yes. is a metaphor for a deist. Right. This idea so, that Tom, God. Please acknowledge that Randy has said deist. God, somebody should acknowledge it, right? I think I, I almost think we should just keep. I won't shut up until you do. Yeah. What what is it that you called me, Randy? What was it? A deist. A theist. Deist. deist. An agnostic. A beist. Deist. 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 Uh, yeah, it's getting so much fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, and anything more on this? Are we ready to go to the next clip? Yeah, let's go to this guy's annoying voice. Oh wait, I was gonna say it wasn't a, s- a slow burn for me. It was like, uh. Mormonism fell apart, and then I was like, Joseph Smith, Jesus, yeah, that seems really similar as far as like, uh, you know, having a cult following and it growing from that. Mm. And I, I already had issue with the way God did things, and I was, I don't know if I was just more willing to let God go, but I was just like, yeah, good riddance. Like, the world makes more sense to me without God in the picture, and... I was okay with that. 
I was like um, agnostic for about a week, and then I was like, "No, I'm an atheist. It's gonna be okay." <laughs> Next yeah. Monday, I'll be I'll be over this. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I was totally the same with you, Delaney. Um, like I was probably about a month a Christian, and then I read a Bart Ehrman book that changed. Then, because I was so resistant against becoming an atheist, because um, it w- it was so anathema to my very existence for so long. And then uh, a week later, I was an atheist after that, uh, because the same reason that you gave is like the world, uh, all the evil in the world made everything snapped into place. Mm-hmm. Once, once I um, became an atheist, it's like, yeah, you know, the world's just shitty, shitty things happen. Yeah. Um, there's no explanation that anyone can come up with that's cogent. And so um, I was about, about as fast as you, maybe three weeks slower. How do, how do you for, deal? But for the same reasons. Uh, yeah. Quick tangent. How do you deal, Randy, with the, the idea that there's no justice for terrible people? <laughs> I know. That was the hardest part. That is, that is the hardest part. That's the hardest part. And uh, it's like a trade off between the world makes more sense. <laughs> it's not with, a trade off. Okay, how far are we into this episode? An hour and a half. Okay, a world that makes more sense uh, versus there's no justice for a fucking asshole like Trump becoming president. Oh yeah, there it oh, is. Oh, that's why you were. That's checking. why he's looking at the yeah. clock. Uh, <laughs> there's always a time limit. All right. <laughs> It's uh, that's tough though. I mean, to get back to your question, Tom, that's, that's the hardest thing to let go of is where's the justice for Hitler, Stalin, name your asshole from history that lived a long, happy life, a rich life on the blood of poor people. Yeah. There was a, there was a crime that happened that I was reading about a while ago where this guy, um, did some horrendous things to some children, sexual abuse, all this stuff, and ended up killing them and then killed himself. And I would, you know, I'm just left with this freaking hole, gigantic black hole in my heart. Like, that's it. Like he just, and then he just walks away. He does just that terrible, terrible, horrendous thing. And then he dies. And And then he gets to walk into sweet, sweet oblivion. Like Glenn is, is yearning for Yep, just turn the dial tone on and you're good to go. Glenn's the, one, Glenn's the only one that's okay with this. Like, I can't stand <laughs> the idea, but I just live with it that, that there's no justice for that's the exa- that's, that's not the That's not exactly what I think, though, anymore. Oh, I, mean, I, I think, I think if, it, if, if that is, it doesn't scare me. And, and as far as like. But it doesn't my, piss you off? To piss me off what? That there's no justice for the evil? Done by men and some women. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Don't forget that. Hey, I'm I, it, equal it, opportunity. It pisses, it pisses me off <laughs> the things that they do. That, but but the but that there's no uh, king god in the sky that's going to slap their wrist when they pass over on the other side. No, that doesn't bug me at all. Well, that gave me comfort back in the day. Yeah. Like, it really gave me comfort. Uh, yeah, I, it it never. I I didn't care about it that much, but wow. Yeah, 
no, you just don't care about people. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so tricky there because on the one hand, like Glenn could it could be described as like a lack of empathy. Like Glenn doesn't care about how other people feel, how they get hurt. But on the other hand, Randy's just like he wants the Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah. Other people. That's He's true. This, like vigilant justice, this like bloodthirst for the suffering of others. So I don't know which of you is worse. Well, hey, hey, hey. Let me let me clarify this. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm okay frame with it. like doing harmful things to other people. What I'm saying is that I'm okay that there's not a god that's punishing them. You know, like I I think that they they're still there are probably still some forms of justice just in the fact that they've got to live with it and, and be self-tortured with whatever. And if that, that's all right? that it is, yeah. And, and for some people, that's something for some people it isn't, you know, but I, I'm not like, all right, awesome. Somebody else has raped somebody. Cool. It's really, no, really I, good. I, 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 you know, I'm trying to set up a little straw man there for you. Yes. But, um, yeah. I think one of the things that helps me is just to recognize that nobody, and again, this is like the free will argument that people don't love, but, um, but I do sort of feel like everybody's a product of their genes and environment, neither yeah. of which they have any actual control over in a, in a real libertarian free will way. So yeah, there are horrible actors who did terrible things to other people and, um, and could do, could not have done otherwise. And that's just because of the way it is instead of like, you know, feeling this like grand injustice. Oh, and, and that, but like the, the grand justice that might come from it is us moving forward scientifically to try to correct those uh, proclivities in the human race to try to, um, to decrease the incidence of psychopathy and uh, genocide and tribalism and all of the rest of the things that lead to, the suffering of our species. So the hope for it is not to, you know, hope that, um, that, uh, Stalin is getting spanked forever in the eternities. The hope is that we, as a human race, um, find, locate the issue that is wrong in the brains of psychopaths and, um, and genocide, uh, inflictors and fix it in the future so that we don't have more Stalins and Hitlers. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I am talking about like secular government. Like it, you, based on what I said, you probably wouldn't guess that I'm anti-capital punishment, would you? <laughs> yeah, you do seem bloodthirsty. Yeah. No, I just I just like all I want for Hitler is for him to feel the pain and suffering of all of the millions of people. Yeah, that's that not that's, Yeah, that's But that's, that's not eternal. That's order, finite. No, order. that's that's finite. <laughs> right. The 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 current Christian view of of hell is you've picked the wrong god, you should suffer worse than my notion of Hitler suffering. You so, know what the most the most just response to Hitler would be? Just if everybody forgot about him. Uh, no one ever never gonna happen no one ever mentioned him again and he just like well i mean with global warming maybe but that's so weird because that's that um that kind of smuggles in this idea that hitler's spirit lives on somewhere and that he's listening and that he would be peeved that people aren't talking about him anymore so that it feels like you're like giving him some kind of immortality there in order to 
be uh, I'm giving, rejoicing. I'm giving him a, a non-biological immortality just in the collective memories of people who keep him alive through talking about him. Yeah, that's what that whole movie, Disney movie's about. Uh, you live on, no, the, you know. Recuérdame. No, yeah, Coco. <laughs> Recuérdame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Never seen and, it. Oh, okay. Well, it's got a, a really nasty view of the afterlife. Like you, you are immortal as long as somebody who's alive on earth remembers you. And so the biggest assholes have like these big palaces in, in the afterlife. Cause because they're well remembered. They're, Cause they're yeah. well remembered. You know, so Hitler's got a palace in Coco's version. I, and I of was the afterlife of, of like the black mirror episode where they just like, Mute you. Block you. <laughs> and they oh, just block that's you. Awful. Yes. And you're just like, 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 uh, was it John Hamm that that happened it to? It was. That, yes. That White Christmas that episode. episode. Awesome. Yes. So we just. That was one of my favorite. Just because you can't hit, hurt Hitler anymore. I hate right. to tell you, he doesn't exist. Right. You can't hurt him <laughs> by remembering him or not remembering him. You're doing him no harm nor good. I, yeah. And it's, and again, it's not about him to me. It's not, I'm not approaching this in a supernatural way. Anyway. No, okay. the thing is, like, if, you, I, I, I if you're if you're responsible for sixty million people dying within a six year period, you're going to be remembered. <laughs> infants on Hitler, I love it. This is awesome. <laughs> wow, this is God, uh, on God. A, man, a manual for creating Hitler haters. That's what. That's what we need to be. Oh, there's a lot of fans in the all right. Republican all right. Party. We, we're, we've been doing this for an hour and a half, and we haven't even Tom, gotten. Into oh, yeah, I got Tom. I got Tom. <laughs> All right, I'm sharing the you got me. You got me a long time ago. Chapter one, street epistemology. Street, noun, a public thoroughfare. Epistemology, noun, the study of knowledge. This book will teach you how to talk people out of their faith. You'll learn how to engage the faithful in conversations that help them value reason and rationality, cast doubt on their beliefs, and mistrust their faith. I call this activist approach to helping people overcome their faith street epistemology. The goal of this book is to create a generation of street epistemologists, people equipped with an array of dialectical and clinical tools who actively go into the streets, the prisons, the bars, the churches, the schools, and the community, into any and every place the faith will reside, and help them abandon their faith and reason. Man, I feel inspired. But seriously, though, do it. Is it isn't he like for for all of the times that we criticize that? Oh, somebody just goes from being really religious to they just flip it on the other side as an atheist. Isn't that really what you're seeing here with this like missionary zeal spirit? We've got to go and convert the world. There's this horrible thing out there called faith that people are afflicted with, and we're going to help free them from it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. You guys like that? I don't know if I like it, but I I understand it. You uh, understand? You understand what? You understand the the zeal? Attention to zeal? Yeah, yeah. And you feel that way? Do no, I, I no no I don't feel it. I, I I probably did feel it like in phases. Never enough to actually do anything. <laughs> Maybe send that email off to my family and friends. That's about it. Yeah, that, that was which, the- which was a mistake. 
Yeah. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have that voice in the back of my head reminding me that too, but I got Randy in my ears telling me that too. All right. Thanks. But yeah, I, that was, that was about it. I mean, I, I still feel if I, if I see someone that I, that I think uh, religion or their beliefs are probably damaging them, I, I do feel uh, the anxiousness to try to maybe pull them out or unplug them or talk to them or plant seeds of doubt. I don't know. I do feel that. It's just, the whole approach just has so many like alarm bells and red flags. Well, of course it does. It's then, yeah. yeah. It's like, and, and since we were talking about Hitler, do you guys see the movie swing kids? So, yeah. No. no. Oh yeah. That's a great movie. Swing, swing kids. So you've got these, yeah. these kids, one, one of them, Christian Bale is being indoctrinated. He joins like the, the, the Nazi youth. Yeah. Movement. He's the bad guy. And it's, it's like the MTC. It's like the Nazi youth version of the MTC where they sit and they get indoctrinated and the good guy is the kid who killed himself on Dead Poet Society. You're right. Yeah. I remember Swing Kids very well. No, keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I fucking kill every conversation. <laughs> sorry. Go. Go. Oh, okay. Keep that going. was an accident. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, no, it wasn't an accident. Just, it was me I being remember, me. I just remember watching that movie and thinking my gosh, that is exactly what the MTC experience was for me saying the world has a problem. The world is mired in sin. The right. world has a problem. The Jews are awful. The Jew wants you to look at him as just another person, but he does not look at you that way. He is your enemy. Do you know why? Because you are superior to him. You are special. You belong to something special. He is your brother. All of you are brothers. The same blood runs through your veins. The blood of the greatest race on the face of this earth. You know, I mean, like, in, in this case, the world has a problem. They're mired in faith. And, and you, you, you are the one who is going to go out and save the world. The world needs you. The world needs you to save it. And that just... That, that kind of shit scares the shit out of me. Yeah, it's like the other side of the coin. Yeah. And I, it's not. It's, it's the same side of the coin. It's exactly the same side of the coin. Just changing okay. the messages? Yeah. Well, and that's what I meant by other side of the coin. It's, a, it's, yeah. the, same, it's yeah. the other side of the I'm same coin. No, it's the same side. It's not the other side, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, however the metaphor works. I don't even really understand the metaphor. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, the same alarm bells went off in my head and it doesn't help that his voice is really fucking annoying. Well, he's, he's really into this man. He's like, yeah, he's badass. He's, he's a he's, fucking zealot. He's ready to, to this assistant professor of philosophy at Portland state kick names and take asses. <laughs> <laughs> Infinity war. Heather. What? Thoughts? Um, I'm just thinking, were any of us, uh, are any of us wonderful atheist proselytes the result of uh, proselytizing efforts? How many converts? Of other atheists. Mm. Like, how, no, are, are any John of Dillon. us... Really? Okay. You would consider yourself... I just wanted to lump no? John DeLynn as an atheist. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I mean, do we have any converts or do we consider ourselves converts of anyone else? I mean, is that how atheism spreads from person to person? I, I would say, though, that just my, my experience doing Mormon expression with Tom, with John Larson, that, you know, there, there were definitely things that influenced me and pushed me more towards atheism than when early, like being comfortable with atheism and rejecting you're, God. You're not, not going to give credit to the messenger. You're going to give credit to the message. Right. Well, I want to give some credit to the messengers. Like yeah, I remember I give credit to the messenger there too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I had the seeds of doubt in the shelf, uh, full of heavy, uh, loads, but, um, yeah, it definitely took certain people in my life saying things irreverently and, you know, maybe even listening to infants on thrones, uh, uh, give voice to some of the doubts that I didn't dare express. Larson was awesome at that. I, I freaking loved uh, like all those after discussions that we'd have with Mike Tannehill. Uh, yeah. And just, Oh, that, that, that was just really, really fun to, to watch. And yeah, so I, I definitely give credit to the messenger in that case. Hmm. Yeah. So I yeah. think, you know, I think there's something to this. If I, I think that you can't, that there are such things as excellent atheist missionaries. I think I was a terrible, like a pretty bad, you know, I had converts in Ukraine, but I was a terrible member missionary because I hated doing it. And I think I'm a terrible member missionary atheist, non-member, non-member, whatever I am. You know, I just, I'm not motivated. I'm lazy. I don't try to, <laughs> yeah. I don't so try to win converts to yeah. the great void. Here's, so the, this, here's the difference though. Uh, this guy is given a manual to be a street. That's, that's in the fucking title right mm-hmm. or and defined a street public thoroughfare. yeah like, a public thoroughfare. as if as if we're walking down streets in suburban denver like i'm not walking At down any street. suburban like wearing a placard standing on a <laughs> on a pail yeah so there's no there's no street atheist uh but the the difference that heather and glenn are talking about it, you know we're talking about john larson is, is like we just put out content and people are free to consume it if they want. And that, to me, is the best way to put out the message, is just put out content. But when we're talking about, like, friends and neighbors and you relatives... Mean like not shoving it down their throat. Let, yes. Letting it be something that can be consumed passively. And they will think that's their choice to consume it, you know? Yeah. It, 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 it's not it. being thrown... There, you know, the retrenchment goes away when you choose to consume something. Right. And that's why I Maybe. think that... Pot, what? Go ahead. I, uh, you said maybe. Yeah, I mean, there, there might still be people who listen to us and go, eh, no, they're, they're going too far with that, and that they're still a little um, stuck in retrenchment. I can imagine that. But that's fine, you know, because it's like, not being shoved down their throat. I know, they, that's, why, that's why I just said maybe, and then I thought, eh, it's not worth going down that rabbit hole. Okay. But you right. Maybe that's you true. But, but I, like, I'm remembering, so there's like a, a whole group of people who've left the church and who have ties to each other, in this area, in this stake. And if I had to, I could locate patient zero who sort of had the first faith transition. It was very vocal about it with Mm. different people at different times, sowing the seeds. And then he had converts and then his converts would talk to each other and they had sort of converts. Like you could, you could trace, I think you could trace it back to like like the priesthood lineage. Yeah. Well, to a patient zero, (laughs) like an infection, you know, right. And, um, and I think if he had been less vocal or less skilled or less rational or less compelling, um, that it wouldn't have been as successful or it would have taken longer for that many people. And I'm sure it's still going on. 
I just wish you didn't have to put it in the context of patient zero, which is like in a pandemic. <laughs> it's, <laughs> an infect- it's, 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 it's an infection. It's a, a negative infection kind of thing. Maybe if we can put like some kind of lollipops and rainbows around it. <laughs> it's an, it's a, it's like an, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, sorry. I just had to. I just had to rain on my parade. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like your metaphor. No, because that's the, that's the exact metaphor I would have used. But I'm like, is, is the, it just came across my mind. Like, is there a positive way we can talk about spreading love and peace? Maybe, maybe it was the first one to be inoculated. And then oh, I'm started getting inoculated. So instead of patient zero, we're talking about uh, the first patient that was uh, vaccinated. That's, that's right. Which does yeah. not cause autism, for the record. <sighs> Thank you very just much. Jump in, Delaney. Dude. Just, jump in. just talk over the top of them. Just do it, please. I guess I don't have a problem with... No, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say was um, evangelizing, like, information, I think is a good thing. Like, for me, when I left the church, it was like, I didn't want to talk anybody into being an atheist. I just wanted them to know everything I just learned that I had no idea about all the church history and all the, the nitty gritty that made you go like, what? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Uh, I wonder what my parents would think if they knew about polyandry and, you know, the book of Abraham and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, like that that email, I I did write it, but I never sent it out. I probably wrote uh, four or five. And you're you're like smarter than like Tom. six months ago. Yours is pretty fresh, right? Like my deconversion. Yeah. No, I left the church in 2014. Oh, okay. So it's been a while. It, okay, you're a veteran. It happened. Yeah, yeah. I guess not really. I was going to ask you, Heather, though, if if you had somebody in mind when you were talking about the the patient zero. zero. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm not going to call him out by name, but uh, yeah, sure. I have somebody in mind. You know, like I, a, in our personal group. Oh, okay. A, like the first person to really start reading, you know, church history stuff and then to talk about it at every possible dinner party. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, as, as you guys were talking about it, there is one thing that I feel like I do preach pretty religiously, I guess, uh, is that... Punishment promoting critical thinking skills. I do that with my kids. I do that with my friends. I do that with my parents. And there's all different ways you can do that. Even to where, like if my dad's looking at buying a car and say, you don't want to just go with this brand, look around, you know, drive them out. Think about it, you know, do your research and stuff like, and I'm like, that translates into everything. If you just do some research, if you really look at things objectively that's the one thing that I feel like if I'm going to a missionary for anything is critical thinking skills. That's definitely. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Uh, totally. Amen to all that. Um, so when I, when I first left the church, uh, I called my brother. This is something that I probably said a dozen times on this fucking podcast. Um, but the first thing that my brother recommended to me was skeptics, skeptics guide to the universe. And it wasn't because he wanted to tell me what I should think. He wanted to reboot my brain and teach, uh, teach me how to think. Yeah. Align your way of thinking. <clears throat> yeah. 
and, and I never, like, it's embarrassing. I, I had, by the time I called my brother in the fall of 2009, um, uh, I had never heard the word epistemology. Honestly, my brother taught me the word epistemology in 2009. And so uh, I hope this book gets better from what, you know, Glenn sent us to listen to, but I am all on board with epistemology and like changing, like not changing, but uh, educating people on what epistemology is and how to think. I, I think that's a really good point because it, it does narrow the focus of it's, it's not really faith in all aspects of faith. That's the enemy here. It's when faith acts as your way of learning as, as an epistemology. And they're saying that faith is not an adequate epistemology and that's what's under attack. Right. And, and yeah. And the, the, just in case there's anyone else who was like me in 2009, epistemology is the, is a branch of philosophy, which is how we know things, how, how we know things are true. Um, so yeah. Street epistemology harkens back to the values of the ancient philosophers, individuals who are tough-minded, plain-speaking, known for self-defense, committed to truth, unyielding in the face of danger, and fearless in calling out falsehoods, contradictions, inconsistencies, and nonsense. Plato was a wrestler and a soldier with broad shoulders. He was decorated for bravery in battle. Socrates was a seasoned soldier. Anyway, uh, yeah, just it's it's very militant. That 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 makes me uncomfortable. Right, and he's assuming that that people who live with a f- with faith are somehow like suffering or feeling bad about their lives. Like um, he says, a world or wait. <laughs> Achieved by keeping people in a stupor that makes them pawns of an unseen of unseen forces because they're terrified. I don't feel like people of faith feel like they live like that. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people are very empowered by their faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people are empowered by their faith. I think he's clumping everyone into the far right religious right where they are motivated by fear. Um, that's how Trump got to be president was the rise of white nationalism. They're afraid that the demographics of the country are switching. They're afraid that they are going to be suffering consequences for discriminating against LGBTQ. I I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I mean, he's talking about the fear of hellfire and damnation. You know, people are, staying in their religion and, 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 uh, fulfilling all the tenets of it because they're afraid either of eternal punishment or of missing out on some great reward. Their their fear is FOMO. (laughs) Fear of missing out. Right. On exaltation. And that's the terror that he's describing. Yeah. I guess all I care about is public policy and, and the, the shit that I hear on right wing watch on the podcast I listen to is, really disconcerting because it's all about fear. It's fear that we're losing the country, fear that Satan has taken over the country, fear, 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 fear. Um, and those people are in a stupor. 
I think. Yeah, but that's not but, all but people But you also say that, he's, that, that this is a fear of people with faith, that they're going to impact public policy. And if you have that, those people, that's fear too. I mean, you, you, know, mm-hmm. you get away from fear as a motivating factor to action. It's, it's right. Both sides are, are fear mongering yeah. and outrage mongering. Yeah. I want to, I want to read a comment here from uh, Brian who's, who's listening in Brian uh, going back to epistemology said that good epistemology makes those that we disagree with able to help us learn instead of just annoying us. Do you, do you want to clarify that a little bit, Brian? Go off mute. I've unmuted you, Brian. <laughs> oh, broken microphone. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe you could send one of those to Randy for next time. Oh, oh, just kidding. And I got to be careful with that. Cause like Randy, Randy's like, I don't know why I do any of these anymore. Anyway, I don't want to push that. All right. Uh, I think we've act two- like you got to walk on eggshells around me. You fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. Why, why would, why would I think that street epistemology is a vision and a strategy for the next generation of atheists, skeptics, humanists, philosophers, and activists. Left behind is the idealized vision of wimpy, effete philosophers, <laughs> older men in jackets with elbow patches, smoking pipes, stroking their white, unkempt beards. Gone is cowering to ideology, orthodoxy, and the modern threat of political correctness. This is so terrible. Enter the street epistemologist, an articulate, right. clear, helpful right. voice with an unremitting desire to help people overcome their faith and to create a better world. A world that uses intelligence, reason, rationality, thoughtfulness, ingenuity, sincerity, science, and kindness to build the future. Not a world built on faith, delusion, pretending, religion, fear, pseudoscience, superstition, or a certainty achieved by keeping people in a stupor that makes them pawns of unseen forces because they're terrified. The street epistemologist is a philosopher and a fighter. All right. Yeah, he's just got a lot of bad, uh, baditude. <laughs> That's it. Well, that seems Did we just lose Randy? Yeah. A- after he told me I didn't need to walk on eggshells around him. Did he leave, really? I don't know. He's not here. Oh, text him. Nah. This is hard. <laughs> it's hard to do the audio clip thing. I wish it were it? in written form. Yeah, it's much easier, I think, with it in front of you rather than okay. trying to write, remember it on the fly. Okay. Here. Can you see that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this would be very helpful to see. I have to, I have to the have lady's got to figure it book. out. Yeah, yeah. I think I would be much more able to participate. I just, I felt like he was using extreme hyperbole to charge his message up. And he was probably taking some liberties of exaggeration to deliver a point. I mean, yeah. thought, thoughtfulness, ingenuity, like that only exists within secularism. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. silly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we beat the dead horse. Hello there. This is your brother. And I have something to say concerning these people. If they do not listen to every minute of every episode of Infants on Thrones, 
they shall be totally missing out. You can comment on this episode on the website infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum money. They could buy anything in this world with money. On second thought, just give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. A small token for which they have pledged their eternal souls. Anyone for the closing prayer? Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Oh man, that song's song. so good. So it good. is. Have you watched the the new Karate Kid on? Uh, no, I, I I have every intention on doing. It. I just need I saw it. the first two episodes. Where is it? It's on YouTube. YouTube Red. Yeah, YouTube Red. Whoa! I didn't know there was such a uh, thing. There's a new Karate Kid. That's exciting. A series as a TV series. Wow. Have you watched it, Glenn? Have you watched it? I, I watched the first two episodes. They're good. Yeah, yeah. They, they you know. They're entertaining. It's still Ralph Macchio. Did it scratch that nostalgia itch? Mm, so good. Mm, maybe a little bit. I, they, they did a good job. What, what's, what's good about it is that they, they put Johnny in the Miyagi role, but they don't make him nice. You know, like he's still, <laughs> he's still kind he's of still a, a dick. dick. So, so, so like he, he's training this kid that got beat up. Um, you know, so, so they're taking this, the structure of Karate Kid and they're just like making little tweaks and twists that are kind of fun and interesting <laughs> with it. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and he's having the kid clean the dojo for him, you know, like Miyagi had Daniel. Uh, and and the kid goes, it, should I be doing this a certain way? He's like, nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know so like there's there's oh, the whole moments point. like that that are just like okay i like this this is good but i haven't liked it enough to 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 purchase youtube red or do the 30-day free trial to watch the rest of the episodes yet but yeah maybe someday i will i'm working on handmaid's tale holy smokes so good so oh, good it's amazingly good but it i told my wife uh, I was like, it's going to take me a day or two to want to have sex again. This is, really awful. This is awful. That's yeah. bad, dude. Like, that it, sounds it, like a, a something I'm going to stay away from then. Yeah. It, like there was, it, it makes sex so gross. Oh man. It's awful. Yeah. Right. I'm, re- I'm watching Succession now. I just finished Breaking Bad. Did I finish Breaking Bad yesterday? I think I finished it yesterday. You finished Breaking Bad? I did. How was that? What's, I mean, Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. It was wonderful. They tied up the loose ends and like my favorite, favorite scenes when he's like talking to Skylar and she's like, don't tell me one more time. Everything you did, you did for your family. Right. For me. Yeah. I was good at it. I enjoyed it. It made me feel alive. It was like, thank you. Finally, he admits something. Yeah. It wasn't an apology, but it was an admission. It was great. That show, that show got me so bad that I bought the uh, the collector's edition black barrel that has all the Blu-rays Ooh, in it. Completest. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> it's my it's my little nerd trophy. Yeah, I I loved it, but honestly, I wasn't paying super close attention during a lot of it because that was when I was directing Lion King, so Ooh. I kind of like had it on the background while I was doing a lot of work, and so I I feel like I could watch all of Breaking Bad again and get get more out of it a second go round. It was it was wonderful though. I can't believe it took me this long to do it. I never did. Like, I, I know you recommended Peaky Blinders a couple of years ago, and I started that. I never... I, you it couldn't catch it? Me. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jake and I were the only ones who loved that. And still, only the first season was great. Yeah. 
I couldn't. I, I tried to get into Peaky Blinders. I couldn't get Randy. Into Randy. But, uh, yeah, I forgot to plug in the cord for the power. Oh, we, oh. We, oh. <laughs> we we were debating whether you rage quit. Yeah, I thought, thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll prove that you don't have to walk on eggshells around me. I'm out. (laughs) Fuck Glenn, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't plug in my power cord. Now it's plugged in. Uh, what what, what were we talking about? Uh, Uh, we're kind of done. Yeah. I think we we beat a dead horse. There's a few more. Why did I even come back? Huh? Why did I even come back? Why did I I don't know. And who's John Higginson? Uh, He's got to be one of John the Higginson listeners, right? Yeah. Unmute yourself, John. <laughs> John, you've been commanded. This Randy calling somebody out. Ah. All right, what, what, I, I just unmuted it. Or, I, I unmuted it, and then he put himself back on mute. So <laughs> you can hear me now? Yeah, we yes. can hear you, John. Hey, what's up? Hi. Hey, tell us how I'm wrong. <laughs> wait, wait. No one else can. Yeah, in 30 seconds you're or less. Wrong? About what? I don't know. Everything. Everything. I'm wrong about I everything. like you, Randy. You're my favorite, so I can I couldn't possibly. Uh, oh god. Like now it sounds balls. like I was fishing for compliments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this got so awkward in here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, I, I so I went off when um we were listening to him talking about uh college professors with their oh yeah tweet, Go, tweet gone, gone are the days of the wimpy, wimpy yeah, wimps yes now now we're the badass in uh atheists yeah we're so what do you guys say and, about that no we didn't it just is like we just laughed mostly just laughed. yeah oh that that and that's what i'm talking about with the rhetoric it's just rhetoric 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 there's no logical arguments um and and you know and maybe he gets into it later he does he does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I, I should say I've, I've listened to the next uh, two chapters, one where he defines faith and atheist and agnostic That's pretty good. And then the ones where he talks about the doxastic, whatever. Um, and I, I agree with pretty much everything that he says. I mean, it's kind of like the way that you talked about Shermer. I, I agree. I'm right there, but it's the approach. It's the style. It's this missionary zeal that, I'm sorry. I've been there. I've done that. I'm not interested in doing that like that. Um, you know, and, and, and it just seems like this, uh, lack of humility that, you know, the, the, the thing, the thing that to me, I, I wish was more of a defining characteristic of atheists would be a lack of certainty about anything instead right. of just going like, Oh no no no! I'm I'm certain that all this is bullshit. I'm certain, you know. It's just like no, just let let the certainty go. You've lived in certainty long enough, or at least I did. Lived in certainty long enough. It's uncomfortable living with uncertainty, but got to do it. Got to do it. So I, th- that's kind of my response to to him. But but I've 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 wanted to do like a logical fallacies type episode. That sounds forever, cool. forever. And, and so yeah. like going, th- going through some of the arguments that he makes, I, I'm really looking forward to, I'm looking forward to when he talks about relativism and we can uh, uh, address whether or not any of us actually are cultural relativists. I can, I can understand why people would confuse me as being a cultural relativist, but I don't think that I am. Um, but I don't know. 
Maybe John Higginson can tell me uh, I'm wrong. It, it, well, it, dep- it depends on uh, if somebody's creating a straw man Glenn cultural relativist or if they're actually making a, um, a legitimate argument about whether or not you're a cultural relativist. I mean, because you, I mean, we bristled against Chelsea and yeah. her, her strict adherence to cultural. I mean, that, that was like. Well, but I didn't because I understood. I, I understood from that uh, anthropology point of view you can't just go in there and change the way that they've been doing things and go okay you guys are yeah steeped in stupid superstitions let me save you from that and it and, and it doesn't work but that's and that was that was pre harari and sapiens and after we've read sapiens like don't don't you have a healthier respect for the the power of religion and the way that it's as as a fiction progressed uh, modern society, you know, uh, allowing people to uh, bond together in ways that without religion, you wouldn't have. Yeah, definitely. The role that it's played in increasing the size and strength of human societies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the whole fiction of uh, capitalism. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, where, where would we be if we were still a barter society? We wouldn't have 7 billion people, that's for sure. We'd be a burning man. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I can't. <laughs> Having infants on thrones retreat at Burning Man one year. Yeah, we've we've had infants on thrones retreats. Randy's always our Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> well. Um, Randy, you're right though. If it's not religion, it's going to be something else. I just think that's our human nature. It's going to be some dogma, some ideology and some form of tribalism and some kind of I'm right and you're wrong. So I like the idea of promoting secularism because I feel like that's more neutral ground and you can work from there. Yeah. And doesn't this author promote humanism as the great replacement for religion, which after reading um, Homo Deus seems also to be a kind of hubris to say, right. you know, Homo sapiens are like so cool. We're yeah. the only ones who matter. Humans, yeah. that's, that's the only thing that's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about like the, the, the human race and, and, and things. It's like. That's yeah. also tribal. It's, it's, it's very tribal. And in the, grand scheme of things quite futile and myopic because we're not going to last. So life, on the other hand, might life <laughs> has this great way of evolving. Life, life finds life a way. Finds a way. Life, Jurassic Park. What, finds what's a way. the Jeff music there? That's such so, a good movie. Glenn, didn't you didn't you want to question uh, Shermer in Shermer's forward? Unless we did, uh, how he called the nuns the largest growing religion in the country. Oh, I think I think we skipped over that clip. Did he say okay. religious category? I felt like I gave it a pass for being a category. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that he meant anything by it other than just you know, like Heather's saying, the, the category people fill it out on a form, they click none. 
Um, but right. Where, what does Bill Maher say? It's like atheism is no more a religion than abstinence is a sex position. <laughs> yeah. Or bal- baldness is a hair color. I've heard that one too. Yeah. Um, and, un- unless people get really devoted to their positions and dogmatic and that does happen. Dogmatic, atheism. huh? Yeah. Well, well, getting back to what the lady said about like adopting one ideology for another, um, so with the nuns, I think it's over promoted by, um, the, you know, quote unquote new atheist movement. Um, because, uh, the majority or not, okay. A large chunk, I'll say it this way. A large chunk of nuns are the kind of people that would say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and when you dig deeper into those surveys, those Pew surveys, uh, it's a very, it's much, much lower percentage actually claim atheist. And so, like, I just, I just, I guess I'm a misanthrope, especially over the last two years. I just don't have a lot of faith that because of human nature, we're just going to adopt one. We're going to, we're going to, if we replace one bullshit, we're going to replace it with some other bullshit. And the only remedy is to teach epistemology. So, uh, and have a secular, you know, try to establish a, a true secular, uh, uh, society. I, I watched a documentary today. Do, do any of you know who professor Jim Al Khalili is? Mm-mm. This would, this was on curiosity stream. Um, what I need to look up who he is. I, I like what he had to say, but it's uh, the secrets of quantum physics. It came out in 2014, and part one was Einstein's nightmare, and part two was Let There Be Light. And it, it's really, really interesting. And don't think that because I used the word quantum that it's like Deepak Chopra stuff. Um, it's, I hope it's, not. No, it's 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 legit physics. But he talked about. Um, quantum biology is a new field and in, in the way that understanding the way that things work in an, in the quantum level can help you understand why, uh, what was one of the examples he, he talked about robins and the way that they see things and that there's something about entanglement with the magnetic forces of the planet. Anyway, it's just really, really interesting stuff. And it, like every time I watch stuff like that, it, it makes me think as you're talking about epistemology, Randy, that you just have to be comfortable with uncertainty because you keep learning these things that like a new layer of peeling back the onion of stuff that we had no clue about. And now we're learning all of this stuff and there's so much more to like, there's so much more that we don't know than what we do know. That you're that, talking, that, you're, it's like you're talking about the Dunning Kruger effect. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't uh, you don't know the Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah. And I made a joke about Diane Kruger and she was on Inglorious Bastards, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought that Dunning Kruger was like everybody's, I, I don't know, summarize it for me. Like everybody's. Well, the people that are most educated are most humble about their knowledge. Okay. The, re- the reason why is that they, the more they learn, the more they realize how much there is to learn. Okay. Um, and then the people that are most ignorant are most confident and the internet has, um, exacerbated this problem because it gives them echo chambers that reinforce their ignorance. 
And that's why uh, a recent poll showed that uh, like 36% of people feel like they know better than scientists and doctors about vaccinations. Mm. Dude. Yeah. Hi. All right, guys. Well, I got to go to bed. I'm falling apart here. It's like past my turn to a pumpkin time. All right. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too. Good to talk right. to you. Thanks, Heather. Nice to meet you. All right. See you later. Bye. All right. How are the rest of you guys? Ready to wrap up? I guess uh, I'm boring people. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm boring people. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.